Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. I'm Corbin Hiller. And welcome to the Monday edition of the show. Uh, we are recording this on April 24th, 6.30 at night here on the East Coast. And uh, baseball is uh, happening. We're reaching milestones. We've got discourse on things. Still a relatively meaningless amount of games, but who cares, man? So uh, we're going to get into some some stuff, some run environment stuff. But I guess first and foremost, we've got um, Miguel Cabrera reaching a pretty uh. big milestone. He has 3,000 career hits. Is that a now, lot? It is, as the kids would say, a lot. Uh, I was about to do the math of how many. Um, what is, I essentially was about to calculate batting average. Like I was some kind of fucking genius. Like he got collect so many hits and so many plate appearances. How many? What rate would he need to do that at? That's just called batting average. Because um, his, batting, his batting average uh, is 310 for his career. Which is so fucking stupid. Um, Mel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera, this is his 20th MLB season. He's played in 2,601 games. Uh, and in that time, he has collected 3,000 and now two, 3,002 hits, um, 599 doubles, 17 triples, which is just hilarious. 502 uh, home runs. He has. 1,809 RBIs, 39 stolen bases, 21 caught stealing, 1,203 walks, 1,290, sorry, 1,944 strikeouts. His slash line for his career, 310, 387, 532, an OPS of 919, an OPS plus career of 144. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure, 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 sure. Two-time MVP, triple crown, 11-time All-Star, seven-time Silver Slugger, four batting titles, and a 2003 World Series win. And uh, man, the milestone of 3000 hits has obviously grown rarer and rarer as time has gone on. And there's no one really behind him right now. And because of the lack of focus on single hitting, like like getting your 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 base hits, versus getting your power hits, you know, really trying to like there's not really a lot of slap hitters anymore mm-hmm. that are actively trying to slap hit. Everyone is is swinging and working on a swing plane that will achieve a bigger hit, a, a double or a home run, which isn't a fault. Those are better hits. It's a it's a better swing that will yield better results over time. So that's the right thing to do. You know, people will sell out for power. It's not just about trying to maximize your launch angle for an, for an uppercut versus an inside out. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Additionally, defense has gotten better and pitching has gotten better over the last few years. Uh, so it, it presents additional challenges. But the next guy on the list of active players for hit count is Robinson Cano at 2,631 hits. And wow. man, oh man, I don't think he's getting to 3,000. He's no. 39. Yeah. 
I'm surprised. Genuinely, when I saw him suit up for the Mets this year, I was like, oh, wow. Forgot he was just still kicking. Just still surviving. Yeah. After that is Yadier Molina at 2,116 hits. He's also 39. But not I mean, made- has he said this is his last ride? He- one of him and Wayno has said it. I forget which one. Mm. But one of him and Wayno have said it. And then guess what? Those are the only two guys in MLB today to have over 2,000 hits. The next active guy on the list is Nelson Cruz with 1,924. All of them? He is 41. Oh, wow. Um, Elvis Andrus next who is 33, which is older than I thought he was, um, 1,875 hits. Uh, yeah, he's still with Oakland. Wow, okay. Is he going to be around for another seven, eight years? Hold on. If he... Okay, hold on. Let's do some light math here. Let's assume he is. Let's let's give him... Uh, let's give him seven years. He plays till 40. Why not? So his career batting average is 271... And he has, uh, let's call it 550 at bats a season because uh, we'll give him 650. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another 176 hits per year. That times seven is 1,233. That would actually put him on pace. Hmm. If he played, if he played another seven years, that would put him uh, with his current batting average and 650 at bats as the assumption. Assumed amount. There we go. Jesus Christ. Um, that would give him 1,233 hits. Plus his current uh, 1875 would give him 3,108. He is on pace. Well, uh, I don't Tough know if I though. believe that he'll get there. <laughs> well, actually, and that would put him. Uh, he would need six and a half seasons. He wouldn't need the full seven, but that's still a lofty order. Um. We'll play this game a little bit more as we get down to some of the younger people, I hope. But, uh, ooh, actually, that's an interesting case that I just saw. Real quick, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, the next guy, uh, 1,839. He's 35. He's not getting there. Elvin Longoria, 36, 1,818 hits. He's not getting there. Jose Altuve, 1,783 hits. He is 32. There's a chance. I, I could see Jose Altuve playing. For seven more years, right? I could. I just don't. Let me. I gotta look back up uh, his numbers over the past couple years because Jose Altuve of twenty sixteen. Sure, yeah. I could see him yeah. going on forever and ever and ever. Um, he doesn't even need to keep that up for that long. Of course, he'll make it. It looks like he's um, never missed a significant period of time. I know he's had some no. injury struggle, but I mean, he's never missed. Uh, 2019 was his fewest games played. I'm ignoring 2020 because I don't want to do that. But he, he missed a quarter of the season, but the season was 60 games. So he missed 12 games. And that's not fair to, to call it a, a 20% of the season. Um, so his, his least games played was 2019. He, he played a hunt. He still played 124 games. That's a perfectly reasonable amount of games. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. His, so his career batting average is 307. Again, let's assume 650 plate appearances a year. It's about 200 hits a season. 
So if we gave him seven more seasons to do it, it'd be 1,396 more hits. And if we add that total to his current hits total of 1783, that puts him at 3,179 hits. And that would put him at that marker before he hits 40. So looking at the averages over the past five seasons, which kind of conveniently starts after his decline from essentially leading the MLB in hits for four straight seasons and being a top MVP candidate each year. Um, he's averaging a 286 batting average with, you know, 700 and well, averaging 415 plate appearances, but again, he's not missing time and that includes a shortened season. Um, I mean, 286, if you extrapolate that out over, you know, 500 plate appearances, 600 plate appearances for however long, does that put him in it? I guess I could also be the one to do the math. I got it. What was that? Num- what was that number? Adding average at 286. 286. So 286, 650 plate appearances a year. It's 185 hits per season. We're going to assume still seven more seasons. Still fair. Um, That's the number we've been using for everybody. Yeah, let's use seven. All right, that is 1,301 hit, and he is currently at... Why did I leave his page? I'm looking right at this guy in his total. Nope, 1783. 1783, yeah, fuck you. So, yeah, that was you, you would get it. Uh, what was... How much does he get it by? Because he's uh, not going to be doing that at 40. 3084. 3084. It's a good chunk. 84 hits. Well... I, I don't think he's quite going to get it based it's off of that. I just don't see him going until 39. But with um, the universal DH, uh, it, the longevity of players who make good contact, obviously uh, th- their their lifespan increases. You know, look at Albert Pujols. He's DHing for the Cardinals this year, which is still a wild sentence. We're all going to have to adjust to for a few reasons. Um, but part of that is because Albert Pujols still a decent to good hitter against lefties. I said that with a lot of confidence. I have to go look. Um, and, and they can, they, uh, the Cardinals is a bad, uh, generally not a good hitting team. They're an okay hitting team and he doesn't have to field his position. And he honestly doesn't really have to run very well to be able to do this. So the, there's, there's a few reasons that he's able to get away with that. Um, and is... if Altuve can, could potentially keep that up, then, he could do it too. It's just a question of how much the additional 15 DH spots in MLB this season uh, stretch out the lives. Albert Pujols is OPS mm. plus this season. I know it's been a very small amount of games. He's played in seven games. Um, it's 184. He has accumulated an additional 0.3 war in uh, the last seven games he's played, which means He's back up to 99.8 career war, which means he's only 0.2 away from getting back to 100. I need that. I hmm. need it. Get back there, Uncle Al. Come on, Tito. Honestly, I was going to make a comment about, yeah, well, Albert Pujols can still hit home runs. Like, he can okay. hit for power. Wow. But um, there, his ISO isn't. It's it's worse than uh, Altuve's has been. Can, I, can, I, share, can I share? Can I share it? Our sure. split last season, righties versus lefties. Yeah. Oh, that's this season. I was wondering why it was so dramatic. Uh, I've opened up 2022. Uh, so far this season, 
um, against right-handed pitching, he is slashing 077, 200, 077 for an OPS of 277 um, and a, an SOPS plus of negative 14. Against left-handed pitching, he's batting 600, 636, 1300 for an OPS plus of 1936 and an, an, an SOPS plus of 464. So yeah, he's batting lefties very well this season. Let me pull let me pull up 2021, which is what I meant to do. Um, but man, that was a funny fucking number to see. Yeah, it's still pretty dramatic. It's not nearly that dramatic. His SOPS plus last season against righties, 39. <laughs> against lefties, 150. Wow. He crushed lefties. <laughs> His OPS against lefties was 939. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, good baseball player against lefties. He's he's solid still. And that's why he's got a job. He's solid against lefties. And with the ability to have the DH position to give you a little bit more flexibility for your lineup, he's going to find time. This is not about Albert Pools. So hold on. One other thing I want to say about the active hits leader before we navigate back to Miguel Cabrera. Um, the first guy, the only guy in the top 30 at least, and I'm still scrolling. All right, yeah, the only guy in the top 30 for current, for active hits leader, only guy in the top 30 under the age of 30 is Manny Machado. Okay. So Manny Machado currently has 1,445 hits. That puts him at 20th. So he's really in the top 20 for active hits leader. And under the age of 30 is just wild. Now, his career batting average is 280, and let's assume uh, 650 at-bats. Now, Manny Machado reasonably could play for another decade. We see guys last till the age of 39 relatively frequently in baseball. But let's stick with him for the next seven years just to you know, uh, project out where he'll be at 36. And with seven more years of uh, 182 hits per season, which would be his average, um, I just realized I could have saved myself a step because uh, baseball reference shows you their 162 average nowadays. Um, and that applies to hits. And I could have been using it the whole time. And I forgot that existed. So my bad baseball reference. Um, anyway, that's 1,274 hits over the next seven years. Adding that to his current hits total of uh, 1,445 puts him at 2,719 hits, uh, which means at his current pace, of uh, 180 hits per season, you would probably just need to play nine seasons, right? Not eight, eight with 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 a rounding error. Eight, eight more seasons to to reach 3,000 hits, assuming full length seasons, no lockouts, no injuries, and the ability to maintain a quality of play over an extended period of time, which is obviously difficult. Um, but. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper is a little bit lower on the list, but he's also on the list. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an interesting conversation as we go forward, because I really feel in my heart that Miggy's going to be the last one to do this. At least until the game starts evolving again. Or until we find the science to make baseball players good for longer. <laughs> True. Because one of the other benefits that Miguel Cabrera has had, and it's tough to call it a, a benefit in any context other than this, is that the Tigers have sucked. And when you suck, 
and your team's not good enough to get a draw of fans on its on its own from the quality of of from team from chasing pennants from potential World Series wins. One of the other ways that you can get a draw is by having a big star. And Miguel Cabrera has been a big star forever. And on top of that, he's been able to chase milestones recently. You know, like he got to be in a Tigers uniform when he got his 500th home run. He got to be in a Tigers mm-hmm. uniform when he got his 3000th hit. Those are also things that bring people to the stands, which means that the Tigers have had reason to have him on because one, they're not paying anybody else. So who cares? Oh, Two, he brings people to the stadium because he's already a star. And three, he brings people to the stadium to hit these milestones. That mm-hmm. is a very unique position, given the fact he was given a monster contract to stay there. And that's not going to be necessarily the, like if, if this was the Dodgers or uh, another perennially good team like the uh, Giants Padres. Nope. nope. He probably wouldn't have lasted. Uh, he, he just wouldn't have. He probably would have bounced around and had a hard time. He he did have some good fortune in that he signed a mega deal with with the Tigers has stayed there forever because they haven't had anybody else and haven't been good and got the playing time because their team's been so bad that they've never had anybody else to put in the lineup ahead of him that that it hasn't, you know, that it's been worth playing him because there's been nobody else. Kind of like what we've seen Albert Pujols go through with the Dodgers. And obviously the Dodgers are a different story because they're more than just dog shit or more than just averagely good. Um, But he hasn't gotten barely any playing time when he was playing for them. Yeah, they, they really made use of his of his splits mm-hmm. when he was there. Yeah, the Dodgers are not going to fuck around when it comes to uh, making sure that their their lineup is on point, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, they have the flexibility to have very uh, specialized players. Yeah, so so. Um, so it, it, it's also tough to project out from that perspective as well. Now, obviously, Manny Machado had signed a 10 year deal with the Padres, so he will be in that uniform for the next at least uh, six more seasons because this is season four right now. So include all this season and then six more of them. So he's got that. Will he get a second contract of length? Who knows? He'll only be 36 when that contract ends. So maybe. Maybe, but uh, it's 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 a reason. There's a reason it's a difficult milestone to achieve in the first place. Correct. It's like getting 300 wins as a pitcher now, too. Not going to happen. It's well, just I mean, not gonna I happen. feel like there's a chance somebody can come in and do that for, you know, as a hitter. It would just be rare. I don't think anyone would be allowed to even approach that number of starts needed for wins. Like, unless you are... Starts and innings pitched. Yeah. I just... That would be... A lot. Yeah, like, Justin Verlander is the active leader, and we can all recognize the fact that Justin Verlander is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is 227. Ridiculous. Um, Clayton Kershaw has 187 one of the best pitchers we've seen in our, in our lives on one of the best teams that's ever been assembled from um, in multiple over, over such an extended stretch, I should say 
187 wins. First guy under 30 on this list. Uh, oh, God, I'm scrolling. Aaron Nola with 68. Wow. That's not the name I would expect because he's relatively young. 29. Really? I know. I really would have pegged him as younger. I was going to be like, yeah, Aaron Nola has been, you know, the young. What is it? 26 for a while. That's exactly the number I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The under 30 names are, are really weird this high up. Um, it's Aaron Nola and then it's Eduardo Rodriguez. Michael Walker just barely missed it at, at, at being age 30. Um, Jose Barrios at 28 or age 28. He's at 49th. Jose Barrios and Chris Archer have the same number of wins. That's stupid. That's hilarious. Um, Zach Davies is this high? Whoa. Yeah, I'm scrolling a lot now. Yeah. Zach Davies, I always think, is younger because he looks like he's 23. All right. These three, uh, last one. These three are all tied with the same number of wins, uh, um, and they're all the same age. And I don't know which of those two things is more surprising for me because both feel wrong. You ready for the names? No. All right, so all yes. three of them have forty have forty nine wins. All three of them are um, twenty nine. Dylan Bundy, Blake Snell, Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. What Whoa. three completely different people, completely different play styles, completely different careers, all the same age with the same number of wins? Like. Blake Snell is like, oh, he was the young guy who broke out and had a truly historic year, won the Cy Young and just keeps getting hurt and keeps going through. But like, he's going to get back like he'll be there. Noah Syndergaard's been like, yeah, he did it pretty good a while ago. But like, damn, if he ever stays healthy, he's going to be so good. And Dylan Bundy's essentially like, yeah, that guy is pretty close to retirement now. Right. Yeah. Dylan Bundy, the guy from all those really bad teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People always said he was going to be good, but oh boy, he never was. He had yeah, one it, half of a season a year and a half ago. Yeah, led the American, led the the all of baseball in losses in twenty eighteen. Yeah, good. that guy. You um, know, the guys who usually lead in losses are the ones that come back and end up having career number of wins. Absolutely. Yes. Their their differences in war is also a little bit funny. They're relatively close, but still, it's like Dylan Bundy, uh, career war, 8.6. And mind you, he already has one full war for this season. So prior to the year, 7.6. Blake Snell, zero war in the season, 13 war for his career. He hasn't pitched yet. And uh, Noah Syndergaard, 0.5 war for the season, 15.3 war for his career. So same age, same number of wins. Noah Syndergaard with almost double the career war of um, uh, Dylan Bundy, but the same number of wins as Dylan Bundy. And then amongst the group of them, Blake Snell, fewest innings pitched. He has 100 fewer innings pitched than Dylan Bundy does, but the same number of wins. Wow. Gotta love the sport. Uh, Miggy can't play much after this season right like this is this is the fond farewell no he will retire now. like i fully understand holding out as long as you possibly can to get to the three thousand hit milestone um but yeah you're you're done now right like this is 
we're all happy here. We've all done it. You know, we've seen you make history. We're good, right? Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Uh-oh. Oh, buddy. I looked up his contract. Oh my God. He's not retiring ever. Oh God. Miguel Cabrera, first off, is making $32 million this year. Did not remember this. Um, and guess what? He's making $30 million the next three seasons each. His contract does not end until 2025. Why? When did he sign it? Oh, like 1932? Who fucking knows, man? Hold on. Spot track. 2008, he had signed oh, that contract. Okay. So 2016, it must have been 2016. Yeah. He signed Miguel Cabrera. He signed eight-year, two hundred forty-eight million dollars contract in twenty sixteen. Eight-year, two hundred forty-eight million dollars, two hundred forty-eight million guaranteed. AV of thirty-one. Holy shit! I'm gobsmacked. I for some reason I thought he was like at the end of his contract or year to year, but yeah, he's not retiring. Miguel Cabrera is not going to leave ninety-two million dollars on the field. Or on the table, I should say. Does he have any options? Of course he doesn't. So options vest with top 10 finish and MVP voting the year prior. Okay. Um, is there like a yearly option? Because it's an $8 million buyout, which isn't bad. MVP bonus, 2 mil, all-star, 100,000, gold glove, silver slugger, 100,000. MVP worlds or you know postseason MVPs, all this stuff. Um, that's a lot. That's too much. Mind you, he is a first baseman. Top salaries. All right. Um, okay, so hold on. Base. Let's approach this conversation this way. Then, are there any other milestones Miguel Cabrera could reach in the next three years? Um. Did I close his page? Probably. Idiot? Miguel Cabrera is the 12th highest paid player in baseball. Yes, it's hilarious. I, 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 I oh my God, I can't believe we've never looked at this. He makes page. as much as Manny Machado. And believe it or not, you'll never guess this. David Price. Oh, no, I, knew, I remember that. Yeah, he signed that, that the, stupid yeah. deal. Damn. Yep. Well, then stupid as in stupid high, not. Yeah, right. I know what you mean. Terribly stupid. Okay. Um, other milestones Miguel Cabrera has ahead of him because he's not going to stop playing. Uh, RBIs. He could probably break 2,000 RBIs. He currently has 1,809. You give him a few seasons, give him three seasons. He, uh, he hasn't had a lot. Okay. Looking at Miguel Cabrera's RBI totals since 2016 is really fucking depressing. And you know it's not him. <laughs> like, you know it's the team he's on. He hasn't had 100 RBIs since 2016. In fact, in... Um, 2019 his uh, in 2021 his last two full seasons uh 59 and 75 that's really fucking sad he had over 100 hits in each of those seasons that there's just nobody on base like he had 75 okay here's how i want you to think about this he had 75 rbis in 2019 he had 15 home runs which means <laughs> which means that like 
15 18% of his RBIs were himself. He had 60 That's RBIs that were stupid. other people. That's it. And in 2019, I want to see a breakdown because you know there's lap, like there's um, carryovers. What's it called? Overlap? Yeah. That's stupid. Oh, my God. That's fucking hilarious and sad at the same time. All right. So if the Tigers get appreciably better, he could probably break 2,000 RBIs, 1,809 with three seasons to go. It's it's possible. Uh, if he wanted to start trying to steal bases and force the issue, maybe he could get to 50 stolen bases. Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, outside of that, it'd be tough. Uh, his next double will be number 600. I'm not sure if that's a big, meaningful number for any reason, but I feel like it, it is. That's a huge number. It's a very even number. Yeah. So, so that'll be a cool number. But outside of that, he's not going to, there's no big milestone after 3,000 hits to, to really strive for. He's at 502 home runs. So it's if not like you can push for 600. If he starts pitching, he can go for 3,000 strikeouts. The, 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 in the twilight years, the, that's the true yeah. second half of his career. Um, he's been a pitcher the whole time, just fooling us, waiting for the right. How do you think he knows how to hit so well? He knows a pitcher's mentality, he knows how they think. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. Really, it's just the RBI's number. And then again, his next double will be number 600. Yeah. Well, he's got three yeah. years to do something crazy. Come on, do something. Anything. Yeah, damn. Okay. 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 Your best Al Pacino voice. Okay. Um, to bring it up, how many hits does Mike Trout have? Not enough. He should have more. Oh, uh, yes. I will stand by that. Mike Trout, 1,431. He is two spots behind Manny Machado, just behind, you guessed it, Ian Desmond. <laughs> what? Oh, God. This is turning into something else, man. Granted, Ian Desmond is six years older than Mike Trout. He has one more hit. But still, like, damn. Um, fucking Ian fucking Desmond. Yes. Got it. Like, names you just haven't heard in so long. Um, he still says an active player. I'm not sure he is, but anyway, yeah, he has. Yeah. He hasn't played in three years. Okay, yeah. All right, we need to figure something else to talk about. This is a rabbit hole that just does not have an end to it, as, as all the best rabbit holes don't. Uh, all right, Too so sure. let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, early some some run and environment stuff. Um, as there has been conversation yet again this season about um, about the baseball, about the baseball itself. It's been a constant point of contention over the past few seasons, and it's culminating once again in the fact that we have seemingly batters doing everything they possibly can and it not mattering because the balls aren't actually well landing anywhere. So let's look at barrel percent over the last handful of years and 
I want to look at it by league and year. And then we can look at it against how we've been doing from a, from a home run perspective, because it's, it's painting kind of a wacky picture. So. Hold on. My search is running right now in the past few years. uh, Oh, this one's sort of by year. Okay. Barrels sort by it's a percent of total pitches. So this year, 2022 is the second, second most barrels by percent tied with 2020, 2019 and 2018 or no, just 2019 and 2020. Uh, Last year we had the most, the most barrels as a percent and as a raw figure Um, this year, just behind that as a percent of total pitches. So, Batters are, are hitting the shit out of stuff. They're they're really smack it, smacking it around. I'm gonna actually going to sort this now by a- average exit velocity to really get a good picture of, of, of just how hard stuff is being hit as well. Um, 2022 is actually we're hitting it harder than we ever have before. 105.1 miles per hour is your average uh, barreled exit velocity. So I guess I have this sorted out by barrels, actually. So maybe I should just change it to hit. Uh, to get a better picture, but the barrel ball, it's, so it's, it's not like even as a rate things are, it, it's a, uh, it's slower, you know, we're, we're getting our, our barrels out, but they're not, um, you know, they're at the, 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 the bottom end of the metrics that matter for it. We're, we're hitting. We I'm, I, I'm hitting, I'm all major league hitters hitting very well this season. Um, I had a last year at 105, even ahead of 20, 19 and 2020 at 104.6 and 105.6. So let me actually change the PA result into a base hit of some kind. And let's get rid of barrels just to see how we've been doing from a, there we go. There I go with that first person language again, uh, how the league has been doing as a whole in the hits department. And 2022 is fourth, but within a pretty decent margin of error, 94 miles per hour is the average exit velocity of a base hit which are really a hit of any kind um, that is just behind 2021 and 2016, which was 94.1 and 2019. It was our uh, leader at 94.3. So balls, 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 balls are being hit. Balls. balls are being hit. Now, folks, let's take a look at the raw quantity of home runs that have been hit. Because, and this is, has, has been an, an issue all this year, or all this year, to start off the, the season, the, the home runs, they, 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 they just ain't a coming, folks. They're, 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 they're just not showing up at our front door. Now, with, <laughs> I'm such an idiot, with the start of the season and the cold weather in most cities, there's not a lot of home runs to start the year anyway. It, um, the balls don't carry as well in the first place. So I guess there's a little bit of that in there also, but anyway, so this season, hold on one second. So actually, instead of doing it for raw home runs, cause I'm an idiot and realized you know, we were like, you know, 15 games into the season, raw numbers really aren't going to help us. From, from pitch percent, so the number of pitches that have been hit out for home runs, uh, which, again, can be accomplished in baseball savant, we are at the lowest percent 
in the Statcast era. Uh, 2019, we had a and 2020, we had uh, uh, career bests, I guess, uh, league league bests at just under one percent of all pitches hit out for home runs, which is a fuck a fuck ton of of, of home runs. Um, this year, to start off the season, it is at zero point six. That is the lowest zero point set of zero point six percent of pitches have been hit out for home runs. So three hundred ninety four home runs as a way of, of thinking about it as well. Um, that's your that's your, your your raw number. That's not that's not good. That's not so. If we take the total number of pitches, this might be a, a, a nice comparison uh, from twenty nineteen because that, that was a, a nice full season for us. That's seventy three. Sorry, 732,473 pitches uh, times 0.6 or 0.06. No, 0.6. I got him. Can't speak. Um, oh, no, it's a percent. I was right the first time. 006. That's 4,394 home runs. In 2019, we, uh, I keep saying we, baseball. <laughs> The players hit 6,776 home runs. 4,394 home runs would be the least, the smallest number on this list, barring the 2020 campaign, which was a shortened season of 60 games. And even in 60 games, the players hit 2,304 home runs, which that season was just over a third the length of the regular season that we know and love. And they hit, and they're currently on pace for hitting. Uh, less than double that number of home runs. 60 games, 2,300 home runs, double that number. That's more home runs than we're on pace for right now in almost three times the amount of games. That's bad. Are you muted? Yes, I am. Uh, That's really bad. and. Why? Well, that's the grand question, because clearly, as we said, barrel percent is as high as it ever has been. Um, exit velocity also as high as it ever has been. Because that's one of the, the things from that we can so evidently tell is how consistent the progression or at least the mentality around hitting has been in MLB for these past few seasons. We are I keep saying we I don't know why. The league has been doing nothing but improving quality of contact for, for, for the length of the StatCast era. So these numbers usually pretty consistently go up or at least maintain when we look at from both sides, pitching and hitting. But when we look at stuff like exit velocity and, and launch angle, the, the two main factors for barrel balls, they tend to increase or, again, maintain over the course of, of um, time because those aren't super variable it's not like hitting coaches are going to say you guys are hitting the ball too hard stop it um and they're not going to say you guys aren't hitting enough ground balls you know what i mean like like there is an obvious thing that is being worked on it's being reflected in those two key metrics for this metric so and we know that pitching is always hard or sorry hitting good pitching is always hard but when the swings remain consistent but the result varies. The only thing we can really point to is the ball. And to that effect, it's been a pretty rough year 
from a hitting perspective, the batting average of the entire league right now is 231. And you know what? You know what an OPS plus of 100 gets you for a raw OPS? No. What do you What do you think? Because that's one of the, the things, you know, we, uh, we always look at OPS plus. It changes year to year from where it's based off of. And so, like, uh, I think like, we talked to Ozzie Smith. Real quick, we talked Ozzy yep. Smith a while ago about how some of his average years have been really light in OPS plus departments. So Ozzy Smith's uh, uh, best year by OPS plus was um, 747, and he got a, a 112 OPS plus. And his average um, in, in 1985, uh, a 101 OPS plus, that was a 716 OPS, 1985. So I mean, the number that came to mind just now was seven ninety for like a regular regular for a one hundred OPS, yeah, plus. Uh, yeah, it's six thirty seventy three. A six seventy three is a one hundred OPS plus. So you're telling me if I'm batting, you know, two hundred. Uh, I don't even want to do the math of all the different possibilities because it's any two numbers that add up to that. That's not interesting. But holy shit, that's so low. Yeah, so to, to paint the picture, Isaiah Connor-Falefa, who has turned around quite a bit since the first five games of the season, shocking. Um, his slash line so far this season is 298, 340, 383. That's an OPS of 723. Now, an OPS of 723, historically speaking, is not, like, good. It's not bad. It's not very bad. But, like, for instance, again, comparing it to um, the Ozzy Smith page that I'm now convinced I closed out of because I referenced it, and that means I got rid of it. Yep, that shit's gone. How many times have you done that today? Oh, my God. It feels like an endless fucking quantity. I can't keep my goddamn... Anything straight. Uh, all right, Ozzy Smith, come back to me. Hold on, folks. I need the um, we'll be right with you music. So <laughs> that Ozzy Smith 112 OPS plus season that I mentioned was a 747 OPS. Like, And even that, by today's standards, doesn't look super duper impressive. You know, if we go over to uh, it's not, maybe not fair, but if we go over to, to Mike Trout's page and pick his worst season. Uh, let's see what Mike Trout's worst season is. A 167 okay. OPS plus. Of course it is. Sure. 993. Mike Trout's worst season by OPS, 963. Uh, so, you know, let, let, uh, here's a better comp. Uh, let's look at Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner, not a power hitter. Not a, his career OPS plus is 100. For perspective. That actually makes him the perfect guy. His career OPS plus is 100. So his career OPS is 740. And you know what? For the eras in which he played in, I think for Corwin and I, 740 is a perfect reference point for what is like an average guy. Yeah. Totally so to fine. see Isaiah Kiner Falefa with a 117 OPS plus, 17% better than your average hitter. And his OPS is only 723. That's fucking awful. And it's not like comparing them to comparing them to guys like Ozzy Smith is doing 
a disservice to whoever it's like you still can't compare them because by today's standards with both the size of these players the look at the size analytics of the they know they know how to hit balls out of the fucking park we've seen it constantly it's not like these players just don't stand up to the guys back in my day it's like no like by all means they know how to hit it better than any one of those guys they just can't it's not that they don't know how they can't and it's I, deadening the ball i would imagine is having such a dramatic effect and it's the only thing i can think of because it's a fly ball league your best hitters your best hitters are home run hitters which is not not new i'm not making shattering news or going against a historical norm here there's a reason babe ruth is revered um your best hitters are hitting the ball in the air, very far distances. And you know what the difference between uh, uh, 390 feet is and uh, 360 feet to dead center. One might know. be a home run and one might not be. Uh, no, no. Yeah. You hit a ball 360 feet to, to dead center. I don't think that's leaving most ballparks. 390, 400 feet. Maybe some of them, some of them, but uh, uh, and when we're talking about the effects of things like a, a more deadened core and a higher drag efficient on on balls, like that's not a hard number, hard distance to shrink. And when you take away a home run, you take away batting average, which really just rolls into on base percent and slugging. And it's the literally the highest slugging that you can add per plate appearance is a home run. And that has to be what's dragging this shit down. We're hitting fewer home runs on a clip in Statcast history. And we're that means we're fucking with on base percent. So yeah, this is crazy. The average batter is batting under 700 uh uh, uh slugging. I mean um OPS. I just can't get over that. That's insane. Did you meet yourself? All right. There you go. Um, I mean, I mean, think about it. Can you imagine a player with a 300 on base and a 400 slugging? Neither of which are really good numbers. And that guy's doing great this season by OPS plus. Why? Like, it's not even at the point of us arguing, oh, did MLB do something? To change the balls. Yeah, of course they did. But why? So I was pondering this the other day. The only thing I could think, and this isn't going to sound right, because I, I, I don't think it is like in a physics sense or um, policy sense, right? But if this was their decision and not just a kooky, wacky accident, like they've said in the past. I have to wonder. Tony always an... keeps being kooky, wacky accidents. It's a Every shame, year there's it? a kooky, wacky accident. It's so weird how that happens. Uh, but I would think that there's someone in a boardroom saying they're hitting the ball too high. And I'm tired of hearing launch angle. I hate launch angle. Why are they launching at angles? They should be hitting line drives um, and saying, well, if we deaden the ball, it won't go as far. So there'll be fewer home runs. And maybe if some of these home runs turn into outs, 
players won't be trying to put the ball in the air so much because it gets too hard. Now, that's a fault in logic, assuming that players can just will themselves, especially midseason, to not put the ball in the air so high. Um, literally, the guy's entire... We're talking a, a, a point of, of coaching progression where these guys have been taught to swing a certain way at this point for decades. Like, if you're, if you're Aaron Judge, 29, 30 years old, a, a big home run hitter, or Joey Gallo, you know, you've been told to have that swing at least since you were 17. At least mm-hmm. you're not just changing it like that now into a line drive thing. Like they, they can't build an incentive like that immediately and have it work. Now I'm, I'm not saying that's what it is. Cause again, I said it would sound wrong and it feels wrong, but if that's a conscious decision and again, not just a kooky wacky accident, I can't think of why else they would do this. It doesn't make any sense. Um, my only real argument against it is there's no way one guy in that boardroom has the power to do that. Um, you don't think Manfred has the power to do it? Uh, not unilaterally. I, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things. Who fucking I don't know knows? But do, do you think it even matters? Um, well, the, the real issue is I don't see what the problem is. Like, when we when there are a bunch of articles are being written about the juice ball and, and you and I talked about the pod on the podcast about the juice ball, it was like, look how juice this ball is. But it wasn't like, hey, baseball's yeah. not fun. Like like 2017 yeah. to, to 2019, that was a lot of fun. Right. Having a, a like- yearly chase for the for the for the all time home run crown as a team, having that be a yearly chase, honestly, was a fucking blast. And I feel like the issue is more with, hey, don't have the change come either mid-season, mid-season or between the end of the season and the postseason, like it was. It seemed like the first year we did this. Or don't keep changing it back and forth. It was more dead one year, then it dropped down, and then it was back up, and then it dropped down, and or jumped back up even higher. Regardless, it's... Just keep it consistent. If you want to make the change, make the change. Don't make big, just giant strokes and keep changing it year to year because then numbers mean nothing. Well, and guess what, fuckface? Tell us. Like, yeah. tell us why, why should, what is genuinely, what is the reason for MLB not telling it to people when they're going to change the ball? Uh, I imagine it would have something to do with, oh, well, if they changed it here, they probably changed it then or there and just, lack losing faith in the uh, entire operation knowing that they can just make these changes willy-nilly but at least if they can but we're, we're we're realizing that already so i guess my issue is like if you're willing to make those changes willy-nilly what's the harm in telling people because if anything it would give me more confidence that they um are working towards a goal with this and we can actually measure that that success but without any type of communication, it just seems so haphazard. You know, like if MLB announced at um, at the end of the last regular season, you know, at, at, at a week after the World Series, and they were like, um, to encourage more line drives and base hits, we will be deadening the ball this season 
uh, into heading into the 2022 season so that uh, players stop focusing on fly balls as much because they will not travel as far and instead start focusing on line drives to create more action on the base paths to create what we feel will be a more exciting baseball game. And um, like, could they could even, cause they could even show differences between the baseballs. You know what I mean? They, they can, they can hire a science nerd to be like, here's the difference. And here's uh here's Joey Gallo at batting practice with an old baseball. Look how far it went. And with a new baseball didn't go as far. And then players can have that expectation and we can, and then we can measure it. Like, Hey, were there more doubles hit this season? Did it work? Was that fun? Whereas this season, we're just like, look how bad everything is. Everything is bad. Yeah. Because players, Hell, I don't even know how all that know. science would work. I would learn how to do it just to be able to show that we could see these differences. So it's also like, could you imagine you're Rob Manfred and you go, I want more doubles instead of home runs. And then you just didn't tell anybody about it. Like, all right, we wanted them to hit more doubles, but we want them to realize on their own that they're not going to hit more home runs. We want them the to suffer. Home. Yeah. Mr. Scavenger. Happy like, Easter, look at, guys. Look at, look at what's happening to Joey Gallo right now. Look at that man. He's a broken shell of himself because all of his hits are getting snagged up on the warning track. I want to look at his numbers now. Whoa. Uh, let's see. Where's the BABIP? Give me BABIP. I don't know where it is. He is he is struggling right now. There it is. Uh, that's actually not great either. 240 BABIP to a 136 batting average. It's something, but it's not like it's huge difference. Like Joey Gallo's Average exit velocity is is down a ton, a ton. It's the second lowest of his career behind um, his barely played in 2016 season to the point where I probably shouldn't even count. Um, so taking away that it is six miles per hour less than his career high and three miles per hour less than last season. I, I his, big... And his max exit velocity is relatively in line with with where he's been historically. So he's he's got the ability to. The ball just is not leaving his bat the same way. Like his barrel percent is still sixteen percent. It's it's just like it's not. Uh, man, my the my man sh- hits just are not just not they're just not going. You know. Yeah. Yeah, those are concerning numbers. Yeah, I'm wondering if it shows distance, average distance. I'm sure it doesn't, but that would be pretty cool. Swing take, plate discipline. But it's the beard. I think he just lost a lot of confidence without the beard. And looking at his Yankees picture on baseball reference, I would too. He needs some framing in that face. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many stats on, on baseball savant that I forgot existed. I, oh man, I'm so excited for this season to get back into these. Whatever. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I don't, I, I just don't get it. My friend, I just don't get it. Oh man, um, stop fucking with this guy. Come on. Let's let us have baseball. 
Stop and micromanaging it's such a, us. And it's such a weird range of parks that are being affected as a result of it, because like um, Yankee Stadium is not hitter friendly this year. So far, Yankee Stadium um, has a park factor of 98 and park factor works just like OPS plus does where it's like, you know, 100 is like a standard hitting environment and I think below that's bad above it is good. So the best hitting environment. So far this season is Coors Field. Shocking. Two, it's a 114. Um, the worst hitting environment so far this season is uh, T-Mobile Park where the Mariners play, 94. Um, Yankees, 22nd, 22nd best or, or uh, ninth worst, whichever way you want to think about it. Um, or eighth worst, I guess I should say. So wait, wait, there's only 29 parks? How is there only 29 parks? Oh, wait, what? Has someone not played a home game yet? Blue Jays? No, the Blue Jays are on here. Um. Oh, wow, that's strange. I'm not going to sit here and name all the teams because, oh, God, who wants to listen to that? But that's weird. Uh, anyway. E- oh, that's actually 2021. Interesting. That's oh, a three-year for the Blue Jays. Three-year rolling average. Yeah. No, no, the Blue Jays are here too. They're still here. Uh, it would but, make sense that the Blue Jays. Sorry, I'm just done. Yeah, it's um. Re- regardless, it the Yankees are, are getting affected, uh, because well, if you stack your team full of power hitters and the ball doesn't travel very far, um, those are outs. Those are outs. So, yeah, it's a it's it's sad that we've talked for years about how good pitching has gotten in like a fun way. Like, like, look, strikeouts are fun. You know, having really dominant outings is fun. Like complete games are fun. You know, we don't get a lot of those, but like, you know, good pitching events are always fun. But every sport is driven by its offense. If every football game ended 14 to 7, it would not be the most popular sport in America. That's no. not fun. I probably wouldn't be a fan. If every basketball game ended uh, 92 to 85, it would not have grown at the clip that it's grown at. Defense is important, and good defense is fun if you're a fan. It's hard to appreciate as an outsider, though. An outside person isn't going to appreciate how hard uh, a specific outfield route was to run or a really well-turned double play to the same degree that someone who is a committed fan will. And that's not to say that they're wrong for that or bad for that. It's harder to appreciate certain types of defense when you don't know the sport super well. You know, it's easy to appreciate. Look at that ball hit, hit I'll leave all the whole park. Look at that Holy ball shit. in the Look air. At Vlad Guerrero the whole time. Absolutely murder that baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And because even even the, the, the selling point in the stadium is but every same lights flash when the home team hits a home run, Comerica Park, the, the you know, they got the, the the fireworks or whatever they call the White Sox Stadium these days. I don't know. Um, guaranteed rate field. That's what it is. God, what a m- miserable fucking name. Um, but it, it's. And I, I don't. It's like baseball was was getting really good publicity or or really good attention from the number of home runs that was getting hit, but they didn't want that type of attention. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like if you can grow on the back of a certain plate appearance result, fucking lean in. Who gives a shit? Guess what? If if MLB was was getting insanely popular on the back of strikeouts, make strikeouts easier. Make a more make more of them. Seriously, if, if that's what it was, if baseball w- was was thriving on the back of walks, make walks more accessible to more players so you have more walks. If that's what th- what, what people want to see, who gives a fuck? Why do you care? Make the strike zone. Do it. It's arbitrary and can be done rather easy, easily, especially when we start having robot umps. Yeah. But- and guess what? Baseball was seeing success on the back of the home run, and they were like, nah, we don't like it that way. Fuck you. We're going to hurt ourselves to make it the type of sport we want it to be, not the type of sport that's the most accessible and the most easily sold to the lowest common denominator. What a fucking stupid thing to do. Could you imagine if MLB really wanted to just do whatever they could to ensure batters are the priority, hits are the priority? We won't, you know say a certain type of hit is the priority because clearly you guys got upset with that with us going so heavy with home runs we're going to do something to benefit all hitting we're going to ban off speed bitches four seam two seam fastballs only go fastball world baby like with the uh did you watch the john boy blitz ball Uh, i've seen Uh, clips they have a, a minimum or maximum pitch speed can't be over you know 70 i think it is just imagine if you couldn't go below like 90 miles an hour with a pitch couldn't go below 90 oh okay so like below 90 or over 100 no nothing nothing triple digits get them out of here that's fair because then that would just strike them out with power efus pitches only mlb is now slow pitch softball it's like mlb just keeps changing the rules until it eventually becomes basketball (laughs) <laughs> all right all right we got to make the ball a little bit bigger to make it easier to hit we gotta lob it up and it's now you gotta get hard. it in this hole it's, that we designed you know what it's too hard for you to hit a baseball with the bat you're just gonna have the baseball in your hand and you're gonna throw it right and the other team they can stop you um to from throwing it but if they if they if they do then they can throw it back in 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 your hoop uh, now it's basketball now we're doing basketball oh. Oh, what? You guys are getting singled out too much because, you know, only one of you has the ball at a time. Okay, there can be five of you. And then the oh, other team now only it's gets too five powerful. Yeah. Okay, they'll only get five. Yeah, and instead like of innings, here. let's get rid of innings. We'll do time. Time will be a little bit easier for this sport. Innings too hard. Because uh, we're trying to you know try to monitor pace of play. We don't want these games to be three hours. So you only get 60 minutes. And we'll give you a few timeouts and something about dribbling. Uh, yeah. We haven't worked out all the kinks, but we'll get there. Oh, that'd be funny. If they oh, boy. Back themselves into basketball somehow. That's like an episode of like an animated sitcom just waiting to happen. Yeah, honestly, it feels like uh, uh, something that would happen on 30 Rock. There's <laughs> yeah. lemon. I can't hit. Or like a show that would be a show in 30 Rock, you know? Right. Yeah. 
I could absolutely just like see Jenna, Jack Jenna, Jenna signs up for Jenna signs up for a movie where that's the plot. <laughs> that's what would happen. Jenna would be like giving some 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 pitch in a boardroom and someone would be like, that's just basketball. <laughs> she would go, yes, let's do it. And then it would happen in the movie. What's it called? Roger. Roger. Oh, I'll never forget you. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, God. Love 30 Rock. Great show. Yeah. It it makes it tough. Because even understanding it, like when I watch Yankees games and they don't hit 10 runs like they did today, um, it's like I look at a home run that dies on the warning track and I still can't help but blame the player when it happens. <laughs> Like, I know it's not his fault necessarily because run environment has changed due to this baseball change, uh, potential baseball change so far this season. But I look at it like, ah, you fucking suck. I left so many chips short today. I now have an excuse the next time I play. The fucking league changed the ball, dude. It's not going as far. I usually smack that thing 300. Ball doesn't go as far. It's just not the same. It's a different game we're playing. I was golfing with Greg, and um, he hit just a really terrible second shot after the drive, uh, just awful. And he gets up, and he just kind of pushes the stick out of the way. And I was like, ah, yeah, did it get in your head? <laughs> that stick that was nowhere near you? Is that what was fucking you up? That stick that was behind you the whole time? That will get to you, buddy? Yeah, he got Oh, there. man, I have a, I have a match uh, agreed to with Greg. Uh, I don't remember what we're playing for, but I, I am playing a head-on match 1v1 against Greg in golf at some point this summer. Greg, I think, didn't have a successful drive the entire, all, all 18 holes. I don't know if I would ever feel confident challenging anyone else other than, like, my old roommate Dan, who doesn't play golf, to a 1v1 match. Just because I know Greg will get into his head with the added pressure and be completely crippled the entire well, time. That and Greg refuses to change. Like he will play six holes and drive horribly on all of them and be mm-hmm. like, I'm going to use my driver every hole, no matter what, and just get angrier and angrier at myself that it's not. I working. know how to drive the ball. It's I like, can look, fix this. Yeah. We all, we all know how to drive the ball it's just hey sometimes you don't have it sometimes i'm gonna drive with a three iron because i just can't wrap my head around why this driver's not working for me today and i need to push the ball straight and forward my go-to is a four hybrid when i can't drive it i'm going to a club that is so completely different it's just there's no chance i'm gonna fuck up both and that's the funny part is like i'm not even good at golf and i'd go like three times a year, four times a year. And Greg goes so much and I will do marginally better than him because he is so insistent on playing the way he wants to play that he thinks he should be able to play instead of tailoring his game to his actual uh, output. Beloved friend, Matt Torrey, the best wisdom he has ever given me on the golf course. You are not good enough to be that mad. You suck. We all suck. Golf is hard. Why are you mad? Touche, Matt. That's a good point. <laughs> another, another Matt Torrey gem specific to this is your best club is whatever you're hitting with right now. 
if you're really hitting with your seven iron, that's your club. Yep. Yep. That was good advice. Yeah. You know what? It's worked. I've done it before. I've putted with wedges. I've made putts. I've missed putts, but I've done it. Sometimes it's all you can do. Anyway, enough golf talk. Never. Um, uh, oh, there is such a thing as ever. Uh, uh, the, 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 there's more things uh, you want to talk about any of them or save them for future episodes. Uh, we can go for a little bit. Um, I'm going to forget this at some point before. Um, oh, did I fucking close out of it? You dumb asshole. Um, if I can find it in the next 30 seconds, I will be all for discussing it if I can. Oh, I found it immediately. That's awesome. No team has had more first round draft capital since 2018 than the New York football giants. These are Dave Gettleman's picks for the top pick in each one of his drafts. 2018 at number two, Saquon Barkley. Often discussed on here how sure he's a great player and was a tremendous prospect. A running back at number two. Bad idea. Yeah, every time. Next year, followed it up famously. Sixth overall pick, Daniel Jones. Hasn't worked for him. 2019, the 17th pick he used on Dexter Lawrence. Hasn't really made a name for himself uh, as a premier guy. That same year, the 30th pick in the draft, DeAndre Baker, has been cut. 2020, fourth overall pick on Andrew Thomas, a good but not great offensive tackle. And then last year's pick, number 20, Kadarius Toney, who apparently is now being searched for a trade, searching for a whatever is looking to be traded, I guess. They're hunting for a trade um, partner. This the number one response is fascinating. Uh, what if in 2019 at, or 2018 at number two, they take Quentin Nelson or Josh Allen, the quarterback 2019, then taking edge rusher, Josh Allen. 2019, the 17th overall pick, you keep that and you get to keep Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. Uh, you don't trade up, so you don't have number 30. 2020, number four, Justin Herbert is right there. Or you still go Andrew Thomas and get yourself a nice little uh, tackle to protect Justin Josh Allen. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Or 2021, Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater were there. Oh, we know the two or the two or Andrew Thomas then. Yeah. Fred the Allen in this world. It's always easy to look back. Hindsight's 2020, but uh, at the same time. But it shouldn't be this is because that's the problem. There should be some picks in there where it's yep. like this was a good pick. Yeah. There's a better player behind it. You know what I mean? But like, sure. They, this still works. made sense. There's mm-hmm. none of that. None um, of it. Because except for maybe Andrew any- Thomas. There haven't been any quality picks. I mean, that's seven guys who have not really amounted to much of it. Who? Where are they? <laughs> that's seven guys who it's like, where do they go? Where are they now? Are they with the Giants? If they're not, are they anywhere? Are they making a difference? Mm-hmm. No. 
just it's astonishing. Job, it's astonishing to do. You will that. be missed. Sign the rest of the league. Oh god! But hey, better and brighter future. Like for the Jets and the Jaguars, there's really great picks every now and then, especially in the first round for those guys over the last uh, five to seven years. Really, there are. Their failures have been with uh, external contracts given out and, and coaching and management. And obviously, those are still big issues. But there have been good first-round picks. That hasn't been universally a problem. It's obviously been an issue in certain places. The Jets have the ability to take Patrick Mahomes in, in his year in the draft, and they didn't. You know, like there's obviously picks that we can look back on and say, you know, better player, but whatever. Man, the Giants have had all the same issues that the Jets and the Jaguars have had, and they can't draft. Fascinating shit. Uh, um, real quick, some yeah, stats leaders, unless you have anything else on this. No. Some stats leaders before we go, just because it's fun. Why not? Um, the. Uh, oh, fuck. I just lost. Okay. Our ex Woba leader. Mike Trout, 498. That means that stats count because he is on the top of leaderboards. Oh, God bless. That's the best rule in baseball. Our top five. Actually, our top 10 really is fascinating. Uh, yeah, fuck it. The top 10. Mike Trout. Then Wander Franco at two. Vlad Guerrero Jr. at three. Aaron Judge at four. And you guessed it. Ty France at five. Uh, followed by G-Man Choi at six. Seiya Suzuki at seven. Matt Olson at eight. Anthony Rizzo at God nine. Josh Bell at 10. It's your ex Woba leaderboard outside of the leaderboard, guys like you know, Juan Soto, uh, Jose Ramirez, people who are really good. It's weird that they're not in the top 10, and Ty France is, but uh, hey, that's the world we live in. Oh man, I'm so glad we traded for Austin Nola, who's never been healthy. Thanks, Padres. It's you know, what's, am- you know what's amazing is that Mike Trout leads in ex Woba. Mm-hmm. 20.7 barrel percent. Wander Franco, second best ex Woba, barrel percent of 10.7. Half. But he just does everything else. His average launch angle is 6.5. What? I don't even understand how he's like not squaring up the ball and still has an ex Woba this crazy high. What? I know. Why is he training with Eric Cosmer? <laughs> right. Actually, now I'm really curious as to how we got here. Oh, his ex batting average is really high. Maybe that has something to do with it. I guess because he still hits the ball hard. I don't know. It's interesting. Regardless. All right. Our ex Woba leaders for pitchers. Number one, you get two guesses. Woba for pitchers. So ex-Woba, this is a good, yes. good stat. Right. And it's nice and low. Um, get two guesses. For the number one guy right now. Um, shit. Just name a pitcher. Name, name a woman. Name a woman. Uh. Name a woman. <laughs> um, you just are fucking disgraced, everyone you know. Um, show high No. <laughs> um, not in the top ten. Uh, uh, uh. Fuck uh, Tampa Bay Rays 
number one starter, Shane Bass. I don't know. Not their uh, number one starter. No, not in the top ten. Nestor Cortez Jr. <laughs> that honestly would have been a good pick, and I was just looking at Nestor Cortez Jr., but I love that. I love him. 201. An ex Woba a 201. I love this so much. This season for him, for me, is just to die for. I'm having a blast. Anyway, Nestor Cortez Jr., number one. Kyle Wright is the, then follows him up. Carlos Rodon after him. Dylan Bundy at four. Noah Syndergaard at five. Dylan Cease at six. Frankie Montaz at seven. Nice. Um, Sean Manaya at eight. Sandy Alcantara at nine. And then Carlos Carrasco rounds out the top ten. Cookie. I'm glad Cookie's back. I missed him. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great shit. And it's wild. Kyle Wright and Noah Syndergaard both have not allowed a single barreled ball yet this season. Really? Everyone else in the top 10 has at least one. Yeah. Is Noah Syndergaard finally breaking out after all these years? With the Angels, no less. Imagine the Angels take a guy who has been good but never reached for his full potential and has an injury history and both one doesn't get hurt for the full season and two lives up to his potential. I don't even know what that would mean for the angels going forward. It's just, it's still crazy to me that their biggest issue forever has been, Oh my God, they can't find a pitch y'all that. And they couldn't find a pitcher to save their fucking lives. And they still can't. I mean, I don't want to jinx it for Syndergaard this year, but, they just can't. They can't find a single pitcher. This season, they're it's showing on, the change, the though. Yeah, uh, but Noah Syndergaard this year it, it has won every start he's made. He has a career-low ERA so far of 2.12. Um, he's got 11 strikeouts and 17 innings pitched. He's having a really nice season, and if we look at the Angels starting pitching as a whole, oh, that's not nearly as good as I was hoping it would be. Uh, Noah Syndergaard doing great. Everyone else, not good. Everyone oh, else, God. including Shohei Otani, not good. Um, no one else has below a four ERA. Mm. And in this run environment that we just spent a lot of time talking about it, that is startling. Uh, so Shohei Otani, 4.4 ERA. Uh, Reed Dietmeyers, Detmers, I don't know how to pronounce it, 6.57. Michael Lorenzen, 4.82. And Jose Suarez, 5.19. The bullpen's better, but after you get past Rysel Iglesias, Oliver Ortega, and Ryan Tapera, um, it's bad because Jimmy Herget, 6.43. Archie Bradley, 11.12. Mike Mayers, 11.25. Yuck. Yuck is right. A whole lot of gross. But the team has a 123 OPS plus. Oh, of course. That's all you need. Taylor Ward, 206 OPS plus. I want to see your your face when I tell you this. Look at me in the eyeballs. Show how Tani is the second worst OPS plus on the team. What's the fuck's wrong with you? Why would you say something like that? 95. Only two guys below 100. Him. And Anthony Andrew Velasquez, but but it's Shohei. He's got time. He can warm up. 
Oh, he'll 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 do better than this. Like we all we, we all know it. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. He's, He's fine. fine. Everything He's is fine. okay. He's gonna We're be good. <laughs> yeah. Um oh, uh, I was gonna say something else. I forget what it was. Uh oh, uh one more. Just this this one is just for fun. Um players uh, teams who are swinging at meatballs. Um which are really just juicy, juicy pitches that should like be the, demolished. The sandwiches or like the subs. Yeah. Oh. Um, teams swinging at the most meatballs. It, it's the Red Sox, 86.1 meatball swing percent. They love them. Some meatballs to feed those hungry, hungry kids of Boston. Um, uh, but the, the team who's just not swinging at enough meatballs is the Cardinals. The Cardinals, 67.5 meatball swing percent. You got to swing at more meatballs. You need your steady diet yeah, what, of meatballs. Uh, I mean, fuck, guys? You, you got to take the meats. Yeah, it's uh, whereas the team throwing the most meatballs and getting them swung on is the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays they're throwing are getting their meatballs swung at 84 percent of the time which means you can't throw this many meatballs. Your meatballs are getting demolished out here. Uh, Lay the off Brewers, the meatball Monday. Too many meatball Brewers. Mondays. <laughs> Lay off the Spice Italian and then uh, Toronto. <laughs> um, the Brewers are getting away with a ton of meatballs, 68.2% meatball swing percent for the pitching staff. So the Brewers are hiding their meatballs exceedingly well. Brewers, great sneaky meatball. <laughs> Toronto. I love how much you're loving this. I love so much for Toronto's meatballs aren't sneaking enough. Oh god, this is so much fun. Oh, this is the best. I'm loving it. Yeah, gotta love a good spicy hot Italian meatball. Um yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the least patient hitters are Boston, though, so that really ties out 33.2% chase percent. Um, the the most patient hitters are the Dodgers, twenty two point three percent chase percent. So they're, uh, they're, oh. they're they're doing it. You want to throw a first pitch strike? Make sure you throw it against the White Sox, thirty nine point five percent first pitch swing percent. Um, don't throw it against the Diamondbacks because they're not swinging at it, twenty two percent first pitch swing percent. Well, wow. yeah, all over the place. Anyway, I'm just going through some numbers, having some fun. Uh, we got anything else for this episode? Um, no, I don't think so. Nothing right, that well, can't be saved. Yeah, we'll try to do some more football talk in, in the Thursday episode as we uh, get ready for the draft a second time. Uh, so, until then, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. Please send emails to the show. You can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to uh, follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow Ooh. myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.